Good morning. Glad you're here today. We get a unique opportunity as part of our time of worship this morning. We're going to be celebrating the gospel, specifically celebrating the gospel through baptism. And it's important that before we actually get people up in there and start doing this, that we understand what exactly scripture says about baptism. Who is to be baptized? Why do we baptize? What does baptism mean? So I'm going to pray and just ask that you would bow and pray with me. Um, we don't want you to be passive observers today, but to be engaged in what's going on, to understand, and for your hearts to be blessed and encouraged. So please bow and pray with me. Father, we thank you for the truths that we've just sung, that our hope is in Christ. We wait on him, and he's a faithful Savior. Our salvation is not because of our knowledge or our good works or our, or our own efforts. We recognize it is purely a gift of your grace. And I ask, Father, that as we engage in this ongoing and unique time of worship this morning, that Christ would be magnified, that he would be seen as a marvelous and perfect Savior. So God, open our hearts and our minds that we would engage this morning and give you the worship and glory you deserve for all that you have done. Amen. So before we dive into doing the baptisms again, who is to be baptized? Why do we baptize? And what does it mean? Matthew chapter 28 speaks to this issue. In the Great Commission, Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Baptism is for believers. Those who are supposed to be baptized, according to Matthew chapter 28, according to the words of Jesus, are disciples, those who are following Jesus. Acts chapter 2 makes this similar point. In Acts chapter 2, in verse 38, the apostle Peter is preaching, and he says to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And in verse 41, we're told how the crowd responded. It says, so those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Baptism is for believers. It is for those who follow Christ as disciples. It is for those who have received the word. The word that was being preached that day was the gospel of Jesus Christ, that though we are sinners who deserve judgment and condemnation, Jesus, who is the Son of God, died as a sacrifice for sin. And he rose again and now calls all men everywhere to repent and to believe in this gospel. And those who believe, those who repent, those who turn from self and from sin and turn to Christ, we see in Acts chapter 2 that they are baptized. Baptism is for believers, those who place their faith in Jesus alone for salvation. And as we see in Acts 2, it is for those who are being added to the church. It's for the body of Christ. So that is who is to be baptized. It's for believers. But secondly, why do we baptize? Well, very simply, as we already saw in Matthew 28, Christ commands it. This is an act this morning of obedience. Those who enter the waters of baptism do so because Christ has commanded us to do it. Baptism is a biblical expectation for followers of Jesus. It's not an option. It's not something that just the serious Christians do or, you know, the ones who, who want to make a public statement. No, this is something Christ calls all of his followers to do. It's a biblical expectation, and it calls for our obedience. This is a personal step of obedience that every follower of Jesus is called to. It is therefore not a replacement for faith. It's an expression of faith. It is fruit of faith, an expression of our trust in Christ and our commitment to him. And throughout the New Testament, baptism is the consistent pattern for believers. So we, we baptize believers today because Christ commands it, but also we're following the example of those early believers in the New Testament, those who received the word, who took up their cross to follow Jesus as disciples, were baptized. So we baptize because Christ commands it and the New Testament models it for us. But thirdly, 
What does baptism mean? What does it mean? Well, very importantly, two things. First of all, baptism is a spiritual symbol of salvation. It's important that we clarify this morning that it is not baptism that saves. It is what baptism points to, or rather, who baptism points to, that brings about this miracle of salvation in the heart of a sinner. Baptism is a symbol of something that has happened spiritually in a person. The Greek word baptizo that we find over 70 times in the New Testament means to submerge in water, to immerse someone. And this physical act of immersion, this baptism, is supposed to portray, to illustrate this spiritual reality. It depicts the miraculous work of grace in the heart of all who believe. You say, how does it symbolize salvation? What story is baptism telling? Well, first of all, baptism symbolizes the washing from sin that comes through Christ. In Titus chapter 3, verse 4, Paul writes, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Salvation is a cleansing, a washing of sin. All of us have sinned, Romans says, and fallen short of the glory of God. There's not one of us here today who has not been defiled by our own unbelief, our own rebellion against God, our own violation of his law. We do the things he commands us not to do, and we fail to do the things that he commands us to do. We are born in sin. Our hearts are by nature sinful, and this sin has a defiling effect upon us. It makes us unclean, and it is this sin that separates us from God. How can sinful people be reconciled with the holy God only if we are washed, only if we are cleansed? Jesus taught his disciples this that night when he took up a towel and a basin to wash their feet. Peter was embarrassed for Jesus, and he says, you shouldn't wash my feet. And what did Jesus tell him? He said, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Peter knew what he was talking about. He realized how big a deal this was. He says, well, Lord, if that's the case, then not just my feet, but also my head and my hands. He said, I need the whole bath because he understood the point that Jesus was getting at, that union with Christ, salvation, a relationship with the holy God, it requires that we be cleansed of sin. As a person is plunged beneath the water in baptism, it illustrates this washing, this renewal that is poured out upon us in the Holy Spirit through Christ. A person who has placed their faith and trust in Jesus and received the gospel, the word that is preached, God does an amazing thing. You see, I can't cleanse myself. No amount of my good efforts and hard work can sort of scrub off the sin that dwells within me, the sins that I have committed. Only Jesus can wash us. Baptism is a statement of our faith in Christ, and it illustrates that we are washed, like Titus chapter 3 talks about. But not only does this baptism symbolize this cleansing from sin, but even more profoundly, it symbolizes this spiritual union with Christ that all believers have. Romans chapter 6 speaks to this. In verse 3, Paul says, do you not know that all of us who, who have been baptized into Christ, who have been as it were, plunged into him, united with him, joined with him. He says, all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Baptism symbolizes our union with Christ. When a person goes under the water, it is symbolic that they share through faith in the death of Christ, that his death is their death, that the price he paid applies to them, 
And as they come up out of the waters, it symbolizes that his life is their life, that the resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead is what animates them and will give them eternal life and future resurrection. We are joined with Christ in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Baptism is a parable of the gospel. It symbolizes something that has happened spiritually for every person who places their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But not only is baptism a symbol of something that has happened spiritually, it's also a public declaration. There's a reason we do this with the church gathered. There's a reason why we didn't do this on Tuesday morning when nobody was here. You know, and some of you guys could have come in and we could have gotten this done and made no big deal about it. Some of you might have even preferred that because then you wouldn't have to be in front of everyone. But there's a reason we do this publicly. It is a public declaration, first of all, that you belong to Christ and that you identify with him. You identify with him. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, Paul makes a statement. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is therefore now no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. When a person enters the water of baptism to be buried with Christ and raised with him, they are publicly professing that they identify with Jesus Christ. And that is a significant statement. It's a public commitment. Jesus says, if anyone would follow me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Baptism symbolizes this, that the old me is dead, buried with Christ, And the new me who now lives and follows Jesus and worships him and obeys him is identified with Christ. Baptism is a public declaration of our identity with him, but it's also a public declaration that you belong to Christ's body and that you not only identify with Jesus, but also with his people. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, again, it says that as many of those who received the word were baptized, and the very next phrase says they were added that day to the church about 3,000 of them. Baptism is a public statement of identity with Christ and with his church. In fact, in the New Testament, baptism was basically synonymous with church membership. When someone professed faith in Jesus and identified with him, they were now announcing to the world that they belong to his church. Several of those who are joining today are going to become members of this church. It's a beautiful thing today when baptism and membership join together. And we recognize that they are identifying not only with Jesus personally, but also identifying corporately with his body. So baptism is for those who have been redeemed by Christ as Savior. It is a step of obedience to him as Lord. And it is a powerful picture of our union with him who is the head of the church. So today you're going to hear some brief testimonies some stories of salvation. You're going to hear professions of faith. But I hope that what you see and what you hear this morning makes it clear in your mind the gospel that's being celebrated today, the Savior who is being honored today, this work of redemption that's being illustrated because that's something that many of us share in. For those of you who have professed faith in Christ and you have been baptized, let the events of this morning's worship service stir your heart to reflect and remember what Jesus has done for you, that you belong to him, that the old you is dead and the new you is alive in Christ, that you belong to his church, that you've been cleansed. These are things to rehearse and meditate and thank God for. And I know that anytime the church gathers, there will, there will be some in our midst who have not experienced what baptism points to. I know there will be some here this morning who do not know Christ. You have not been cleansed of your sins. You are still far off from him. You have not turned to him in faith and been joined with him and received the gift of salvation. And because of that, you are still spiritually dead. You do not share in the resurrection life of Jesus, but our prayer is that that would change today. So I hope that you will listen and carefully consider what you hear this morning. But this, again, is a celebration of the gospel and of Jesus Christ. So let's keep our eyes and hearts fixed on him. Let's glory in our Redeemer as we celebrate salvation today. Well, this is the first time we've got to use our, uh, our new baptism tank, Annie. You get to be the first one. Come on in. She has a sermon prepared, which is great. Hi. 
My name is Annie Wilson. I want to be baptized today because I want to show everyone that I don't want sin anymore. The Holy Spirit is in me. I want to share the gospel and show that I am not afraid to be a Christian. I know that the Lord has saved me because one day I was really mad at my sister. I was yelling at her and hitting her, and I realized that it did not make her feel good. I thought back to when my parents told me that you need to repent and confess to Jesus that you are a sinner and know that only he can save you. You cannot save yourself and believe in Jesus as the Son of God. So I prayed that the Lord would save me, and he saved me that day. I know that he saved me because after I prayed, I wanted to apologize to my sister. I can have self-control because I can do all things through Christ. I felt like I didn't have a burden on me, that I was free. I realized that before I prayed that I felt like I had chains attached to me. I realized that I didn't feel, felt like, I felt like I was alone and not fulfilled. But after, I felt like I had the Lord with me. I am not perfect, but now I feel like I have the power to stop my sin by praying for God's help. It's a really special thing when God gives um, Christian parents to a child who will share the gospel with them. And the amazing thing is that God saves all kinds of sinners, old sinners, young sinners. And he doesn't just save us from the punishment for our, from our, for our sin. He also saves us from the power of our sin. And that's awesome to see that fruit that's starting already to grow in your life, Annie. So, Annie, you can grab your nose there like we practice. There you go. Annie, because of your profession of faith in Christ, because of your desire to follow him in baptism, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All right. Here we go. I'm going to pray for you. Father, we praise you and glorify your name for how you sovereignly call sinners to yourself. I thank you for faithful Christian parents. Thank you for how you use the home as so often a laboratory in which we discover our sin, but also the grace of the gospel. I pray for Annie that she would continue to seek you, that she would continue to trust in your gospel, and that for the rest of her life, she would love you with all her heart and soul and mind and strength. We thank you for her clear profession of faith and pray that you would bless her and use her greatly for your glory. Amen. All right. Mm -hmm. None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together, they have become worthless. No one does good, not one. Their throat is an open grave. They, their tongues, they use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. In the way of peace, they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. I'm John Cook, and that was me before being saved. And I didn't know it at the time, but I was estranged from God because of this. And while I didn't know that, I also was without hope, condemned. But God didn't leave me there. He had a plan. And I'm going to read a few scripture verses to illustrate that. Ephesians 1.4. He chose us in him before the foundations of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake, God made him, Christ, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. And then in John 19.30, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Let that sink in a bit. It's finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So how did God take me, uh, who could have satisfied a lot of those lists, 
um, in Romans and make me blameless and righteous. Well, in kindergarten, um, a little redhead girl told me about Jesus at, at um, recess. Instead of going on the playground equipment, I sat down on the ground cross-legged. She stood in front of me and told me about Jesus. I needed to be forgiven in hell. This is a five-year-old, okay? Um, needless to say, she did get my attention, but that didn't save me. And then, because um, I didn't grow up in a church home, on Sunday morning when everyone else was asleep, I'd go down in the basement and turn on the TV and watch Christian programming. And one in particular that I remembered was a, uh, a little boy and his dog. I bet some of you can remember it too. It's Davy and Goliath. And I was getting um, morning, or I was getting Bible studies Sunday morning. Then in junior high, um, a friend of mine, Galen Feldkamp, invited me to go to his church. And it was a Southern Baptist church. Um, yeah, some of you <laughs> know what that means because the, the pastor preached hellfire and brimstone. And that got my attention. It really did. But that didn't even save me because of maybe a hard heart and just not knowing the, what to do with this such. But finally what happened was um, in high school after wrestling practice, um, I was going to my locker and I saw a box full of little green books, Gideon Society Bibles, the New Testament, Psalms, and Proverbs. And I took one and I read it, cover, front to back. And I knew that um, there was more to, to the Bible than that green little book, so I, I, I found a King James version of the Bible at home. And I read it front to back. And that, that caught my attention. Um, and so what happened is during the summer between my junior and senior years in high school, uh, while on a backpacking trip to Rocky Mountain National Park, I found a quiet place, uh, a place of solitude, if you will. And I remembered um, the verse um, in Acts that Peter uh, delivered that said, um, be, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for forgiveness of your sins. And so I uh, quietly pled my case, if you will, to God, just saying I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness, and I have no hope without that. And um, God was faithful to his promise and to his word. His word struck me, and, um, and that's sort of when it happened, if you will. But one thing that was even more important to me as I look back is God's been with me every step of the way ever since. Mm -hmm. And I, I really like the verse, uh, Philippians 1, 6, where it says, and I am sure of this, that he, God, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. And so I'm just thrilled that he's by my side. Um, and a proper response would be to just give all praise to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Because if there's any good you see up here, it's because of him. Sometimes God uses a Christian home, but God always uses his word. Romans says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And there's actually a number of people here today whose story is very similar in that they read scripture. And that was what God used to change their heart. God is the ultimate evangelist. And he uses his word to change us. So, John, you've been a believer for a number of years. Um, but we're excited to see you baptized today and to have you join as a member of our church. So because of your profession of faith... And because of your desire to follow Christ and baptism, it's my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. There you go. Here, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray. I need it. Heavenly Father, we praise you. Your word is living and active and powerful. And we thank you for how you sovereignly bring different people, people at school, people at home, people at work, whatever it may be, 
pastors, churches, to bring the word to bear in our life. And we thank you that you have redeemed John and brought about growth and change in his life. And we pray for continued growth. We pray that you'd continue that work that you've begun in him. And we praise you and rejoice um, in just hearing this testimony of faith today. Amen. John, if I could have you stay here for a moment. Rhonda, if you would stand. Um, your wife, Rhonda, is here. There she is. So John and Rhonda have been attending for several months now and desire to become members at Redemption Hill. And that's the primary reason that led to this baptism was we require baptism to join and to be a member here. So having satisfied that requirement, um, you guys have all heard John's testimony. I've gotten to hear Rhonda's as well. And they both have an understanding of the gospel and a clear faith in Christ. And so as one of the elders here, as uh, pastor, I am excited to present them to you for membership. So if you're a member of our church and you are 18 or older, would you affirm them as new members of Redemption Hill by saying amen? Amen. 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 Welcome. Officially part of the family. Here you go. There you go. See, Al installed all these handrails. He was preparing for today. Here you go. I'll give you this. Hi, I'm Al Nagin, and uh, I'm just grateful and humbled. I can tell you what Jesus did for me. I, I've been teacher's pet spiritually, and I know it. Uh, Psalm 116, it talks about, behold, you have a godly heritage. And I do, and I did. Uh, my first memory of in life as about a three-year-old is sneaking down from bed in the middle of the night and for a drink of water or whatever and sneaking into my parents' bedroom and seeing my dad on the knees praying in his blue and white pajamas. I still see that. Every kid should have that. And I did. So I grew up with Christian parents and two sets of grandparents and great-grandparents and relatives and a church. And we went to a Christian school and I graduated from a Christian college. And I used to joke once in a while that I was born Christian. I knew better than that. So I'd like to stop at this point and say that's how my life was. But then I learned to spell the word sin. And I had a, a dad that taught me and I had, a, I had a pastor in my teenage years that really liked me. And we spent a lot of time together. And I became painfully aware of all men have sinned. More particularly this one. And three chapters later, he talked about the expense of that. That was going to be costly. And I was broke. So I had to learn then that Jesus did a lot. A lot of overtime for me. And I came to the point and I said, that's for me. Somewhere between here and there or there, it's not looking good as it is. And then I became a, a broken teenager. And uh, I don't ever want to recover from it. And then a few years later, I married my third grade girlfriend. And we have walked and run and crawled and a variety of things together in scripture, in churches, as families. And some days I was really happy about that and some days, uh, we should have all been embarrassed. But God was still faithful through all of that. 
And then comes a year called 2020 that everybody says is so terrible. And I'm sorry for some of you paid some high prices that last year. I didn't. Last year was the best year of my life spiritually. I, I learned to really hate some things. And I really learned to love Jesus. This is a year that I I've never been more in love with my wife. It's been a great year. And so this is what you got because of him. And he came along and today I get a chance to to say, I'm going to try to go down with you and I'm coming up with you. And I don't know what all the costs are going to be. I got a feeling there's going to be some expense to it. But that's what he did. So that's what I get the opportunity to do today. My bottom line is I just, I just want to look more like Jesus. I joked with Al and Connie earlier today that, you know, God saves and loves um, all sorts of people. And today we get to baptize some, some nine and 10 year olds and also some people in their early 60s. And um, <laughs> it's an amazing thing for those of you, for those of us who are younger than Al and Connie, to see that spiritual growth <coughs> and Christ likeness, what that looks like as you age should become more and more tender to the things of God. A deeper sense of gratitude and humility before him. And a growing eagerness to continue to obey Christ in all areas of life. And that's what we see in them. You know, you guys have walked with the Lord for many years, but this is your opportunity to public, publicly identify with Christ in baptism. And I've been humbled and encouraged by getting to know you. I know many of you guys have as well. And so Al, because of your profession of faith in Christ, and your desire to identify with him in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, and your desire to be marked as one of his, to belong to the church. I'll have you go ahead and grab there. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. And Al's going to stay up here for a moment, and I'm going to pray for him in a moment because Connie gets to go next. I may Do you want me to this. hold this? Um, yeah, maybe you can hold that. Well, <laughs> you heard Al's testimony. That's partly mine also, I guess. Um, I'm just going to read a few verses from uh, Titus 3. At one time, it says we, but I'm going to say I. I too was foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. I lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating others, it says one another. <laughs> but when the kindness and love of God, my Savior, appeared, he saved me not because of righteous things I had done, but because of his mercy. He saved me through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on me generously through Jesus Christ my Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, I might become an heir having the hope of eternal life. This is a trustworthy saying, uh, and I want you to stress these things so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. These things are excellent and profitable for everyone. Then I had some other things, but I think I'm going to forego those. <laughs> um, 
I too was raised uh, by a Christian mom and dad and um, knew my grandfather, my mom's grandfather, really well. He taught me a love for reading, <laughs> which sometimes I wonder because I can stick my nose in a book for hours and hours. And sometimes those books are profitable, sometimes they've not been. Um, uh, mom and dad um, sent us to a Christian school, and my dad really could not afford that. Uh, but I knew that he loved the Lord. Uh, my dad left me way too early when I was uh, 17. Uh, but that was not his desire. That was um, a medical thing. But I, too, saw my dad, who was a very quiet man, and he raised some very noisy children. Those of you who know me well know that I love to talk, although you would not realize that I was a very quiet child and very shy. Um, but when I married into the Nagin family, it was sink or swim. You had to learn to speak, or you would, um, well, you just had to learn to speak. So, um, but anyway, uh, my testimony is this, that I knew the things of God, and I was taught well, but I strayed. Something happened somewhere uh, in our marriage, and um, I forgot. I didn't forget the things of God. I knew them, but life kind of took over, and um, um, somewhere in our marriage, Al and I uh, strayed apart, and um, I think it was just life took over, but God rescues. That is my testimony, that God rescues. And though we forget him, he never, ever forgets us. And um, mm, when his word is hid in our heart, um, uh, though we leave him, he never, ever leaves us. <laughs> and he goes after the lost sheep. And um, um, when we are his, we are bound to him, and he does not leave us. So um, I am so grateful uh, to be here in this fellowship and um, to be doing the things that Al and I have talked about wanting to do for so long and to have two of our children and our sons-in-law and two of our grandsons the oldest grandson <laughs> and the youngest grandson with us um, to give testimony um, to being uh, buried with Christ and raised to newness of life. Um, it is my joy and all glory to God. I wanted to do a quote from John Piper um, and it's in my phone, but if you want to know what it is, I'll give it to you later. <laughs> Thank you. Baptism is a confession that we are sinners who need cleansing, who have gone astray, but it's also a confession that Christ is Savior and we're trusting in him, that his death is our death, his life is our life. So Connie, because of your profession of faith in Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Have you stand, come down here. Lord, we thank you for your work of faithfulness and grace in Al and Connie's life. We thank you for how you have shown them the glory of what it looks like um, to be humble before you, to be dependent on you and your promises and your word. I ask God that they, in this new phase of life, as they join here at this church, would continue to grow in Christ-likeness, that they would continue to put off the old and put off the new, and that you would bring about much fruit and a, a season of harvest in their lives, that you'd use them and their gifts, their wisdom, their experiences to bless this church. And I pray that you would use us here at this church to minister to them, to uphold them and encourage them as they run the race. Lord, we thank you for them and for your great work in their lives. Amen. So as you can tell, Al and Connie have also walked with God for many years. Um, but they are coming today to be baptized. 
to publicly identify with Christ. They're with their family here. And not only are they celebrating being with their physical family, but today they're going to become a part of this church family. So I've got a chance to hear both their testimonies, talk with them, and you've heard it now as well. They desire to join and be members here, to be under the pastoral leadership here, to be accountable to this body, to be involved in this congregation. And so I would ask you, if you're a member of Redemption Hill Church, to affirm that by saying amen. Amen. Love you guys. Good morning. My name is Terry Gilliland, and I'm here to be baptized. <laughs> About uh, 25 years ago, if you'd asked me, I thought it was a pretty big deal. And the kingdom I was building for myself uh, kind of hit the rev limer and came, came crashing down. And all I had dreamed about and poured myself into uh, that life was not going to be realized. And so during this time of kind of reevaluating my life, I found myself working in the home uh, of a man who, uh, after talking to him for a period of time, uh, he had taken an interest in my own life for some reason, and I had shared with him for several hours about my life as a, a motorcycle racer. I thought, wow, he sure is interested in this. I wonder, you know, what he does for a living because I haven't seen him do much but talk to me and help me carry my tools in. <laughs> um, little did I know that uh, he had clocked in early that morning and he had been at work because when I asked him, he told me, he said, I'm a missionary. I said, oh. And um, through conversation, he shared his testimony with me and told me that he had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I had no idea what that really meant, but uh, he, he told me it changed his life and he, he asked me about my own spiritual life. Uh, specifically, he said, you know, if you were to die right now, he said, where do you think you'd spend eternity, heaven or hell? And I thought about it, and I knew how I'd live my life, and I, I said, I don't, I don't think I'm going to go to heaven, but I'm not real sure. And he told me, that there was a way that you could know where you would spend eternity. And I wasn't sure I wanted to know, but uh, I agreed to, uh, to meet with him the next morning. And he shared with me what I now know is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he explained to me that uh, God had created each of us to be in a relationship with him. But man was simple and separated from God. He said that all had sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And there was this huge gap and, and uh, there was nothing a, a man could do in his own strength and like good deeds or whatever he tried to do, he said it, it wasn't enough to, to restore that relationship. And I thought, hmm, I guess I was right. But he, he said, here's the good news. He said, God was loving and merciful when he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross, not for his own sins, but for the sins of man. And that uh, the third day he rose again. And uh, he said that if a, if a man would put his trust in God's provision through Jesus Christ, that God would forgive his sins and uh, that uh, he, he could know that he would spend eternity with him in heaven. And uh, he read some scripture that uh, I still remember is God made him who had no sin to be sin for us 
that, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Mm-hmm. And he asked me, he said, does this sound like something you want for your life? And I said, yeah, it is. And so he led me in a prayer and I asked God to forgive me and cleanse me from my sin and that I trusted in his provision through his son Jesus. And uh, asked him to make me the man he wanted me to be. And from that moment on, uh, my life changed quite a bit. I began to act differently and speak differently, treat people different. Um, I met with this new friend of mine for probably about a year, once a week, and he opened up the scriptures and taught me what God had revealed about himself and, and, and what it meant to be a follower of Christ and uh, really just uh, foundational Christian things and, and uh, it made a huge difference uh, in my walk and um, I think of a verse that I learned early on uh, in the book of Galatians and it uh, has uh, kind of been a part of my life uh, for a lot of years now but uh, when Paul said I have been crucified with Christ it's no longer I who live but Christ that lives in me the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself quoted from 2 Corinthians 5 a minute ago about how the Father made the Son to be sin on our behalf. A few verses before that, it says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things are becoming new. And friends, what you're seeing today is not just people who've made a decision. You're seeing people who have been changed. And you've experienced that. And it's a delight for me as your brother in Christ uh, because of your profession of faith and your desire to follow Jesus in baptism. Uh, to baptize you now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we stay here in the pray. Lord, I thank you for what you've done in Terry and Mindy's life, what you've done in their family. Thank you for bringing faithful believers across their path to ask questions and share the gospel. Thank you for how you use the simple conversations and you use the power of your word to make old things new, to make dead things alive. We praise you for the change and the growth and we ask that you would continue to grow this family, to make them more and more like Christ and we thank you um, and just praise you for your amazing work of grace in them, amen. I'm gonna ask Mindy Gilliland if you would stand. Uh, This is another family that wants to join with our church today. Mindy also has a clear profession of faith in Christ, and she has already been baptized. And so today, Terry takes that step, and now they both together can join our church. So if you're a member of Redemption Hill and would affirm my recommendation of Terry and Mindy to be members here, please say amen. 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 All right. Just to prepare you, there's a couple more Gillilands coming. (laughs) Terry and Mendy have uh, three children who are all over the age of 18. And so Josie and Max and Holly have all also been coming, desire to be baptized and desire to join. So we're going to be getting to hear from the Gilliland family today. I will hold it. Yes. Hi, I'm Josie Gilliland. I'm the oldest. Um, As you can see, I was blessed with two amazing believers for parents. Um, When I was little, my mom will tell you, I was a little troublemaker. And when I would get into trouble, my dad would kindly take me to my room, and he would explain to me, okay, first, I want you and you need to ask Jesus for forgiveness. And then you need to go to Max or mom or whoever, and then you need to ask them for forgiveness. So I was taught the concept of forgiveness and what it was at a young age.
but it wasn't until later that I really realized that I was completely and utterly dependent on the resurrection of Jesus, because without that, I was hopeless. Even though I can't think and comprehend of a time where I didn't know of Jesus, there still was. He still chose me, and he still saved me. And that relationship didn't come into fruition until eighth grade. And I can confidently say that it's not by works of my own, but by Jesus and his grace that he saved me and calls me his own. There will never be a time on this earth where I am perfect. I will fail myself, others, and Jesus, but he never will. God will never, ever fail you. We live in a world full of sinners. Friendships and relationships will crumble. But even if I try to hide and run from Jesus, he's going to be chasing after me with a softened heart and opened arms. Without him, I have no good. I am a nothing without him. The resurrection isn't just a reviving of the corpse, because without it, my faith, salvation, and eternity would be non-existent. I will strive to live my life to glorify and love him because he gave the ultimate sacrifice for me so that I may walk with him forever. Because of him, my identity is refined, my purpose is redirected, and my desires are reshaped. I'm so thankful that he loves me and he chose me. That was not of works by my own, but that was him, and I can say that. And that I get to call him my friend. That's so awesome. And I'm going to leave you with one of my faves. It's 1 Corinthians 15:58. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. And then I wrote, yay, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Josie, because of your profession of faith in Christ and your desire to follow him in baptism, it's my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I pray for you. Father, thank you for how you have worked in Josie's life. I thank you for faithful parents. But I thank you especially for how you softened her heart to convince her of her need for you. And I thank you for your grace in convincing her that Jesus is enough, that Jesus is supreme, that Jesus is faithful and a powerful and merciful Savior. We praise you, Lord, for the faith that she has placed in you. We know that's, that's a work of your grace. And we ask that as Josie continues to follow you and serve you and love you and grow in her relationship with you, that you would conform her more and more into the image of your Son and that she would continually be able to say, Christ is everything, and I'm ready to decrease that he may increase. And I pray that you would bear much fruit in her life and help us at this church to be a support and an accountability and a blessing to her. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Well, Josie doesn't know how much longer she's going to be in Lawrence, but for the time being, she wants to be a faithful Christian and join a church and use her gifts. So who knows whether that's short time or a long time, God does, but in the meanwhile, uh, we're going to present Josie to be a member at Redemption Hill. That gives her an opportunity to serve here and use her gifts and also gives us a higher obligation to her, to care for her soul, to watch over her, to hold her accountable, to encourage her and support her as she follows Christ. So if you're a member of Redemption Hill and would agree with my recommendation to, uh, to have Josie join as a member, please say amen. 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 All right. Hello, my name is Max. Uh, I'm gonna get baptized today, I guess. Uh, so, the story of how I was saved was, I, I had not, I hadn't ever, I was raised in a Christian home, um, as you've heard uh, from my sister, and you'll probably hear it again from my other one. Um, the, I was always kind of, Never really showed it on the outside, but I was always kind of an anxious kid. Um, I, I like to hide my feelings, and 
but I would get terrible stomach aches and things like that whenever I got anxious. And that was, that was the way I was up until about junior high. I was, um, I, I, I kind of came to the reality with death and that was uh, something really hard for me. It'd keep me awake at night. And uh, I came across a verse and it's a very common verse. Um, it's Psalms 23 or 24, 23, four. Uh, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Uh, you're, um, you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Uh, that really gave me, um, at that moment, I kind of knew that uh, God was with me, that because of his death, um, he secured my uh, eternity. And that has given me confidence to do a lot of things in life that I was scared of before. Um, and uh, after that point, I knew that I was saved and a, a believer in Christ. There's a song we sing here called In Christ Alone, and the last verse says, no guilt in life, no fear in death, this is the power of Christ in me. Um, I've had a chance to sit with Max and hear the extended version of the story you just heard, and, and Max, you understand that, that you're a sinner, and that apart from Christ, you are guilty, but it's through faith in Christ, guilt is removed, and we don't have to be afraid of death. We can be confident, confident in Christ, and that's something the world doesn't have. I think we've seen that over this last, what, year and a half with COVID-19. Um, not that we say death is no big deal, but we're not afraid of it the same way that other people are. And that's something that's unique to Christianity, that the gospel gives us hope, hope of eternal life. It takes away fear. And that's one of the evidences of, of saving faith. So um, I'm glad that you have come to recognize your sinfulness and your need for Christ, and you've believed his word. You've taken him at face value, that what he says is true. And you've entrusted your soul and your eternity to him. So Max, because of your profession of faith in Christ and your desire to be baptized today and join this church, I'll have you take a seat. You're tall. We're going to scoot forward so we don't hit your head, okay? I'll baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right. Right. You can stand. You're fine. Lord, we thank you for the hope and the confidence that comes through faith in Christ. I thank you that in Jesus we can say we do not fear anything. What can man do unto us? We know nothing can separate us from the love of God. And we know there is a promise of glory that is so great and so incredible that the sufferings of this present time aren't even worth comparing. I thank you for the freedom that that gives us. You've not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. I thank you for the truth that you've revealed to Max. I thank you for his desire to believe you and to follow you. And I pray that as he grows in his faith and continues to follow Christ, that he would set aside everything in this world and that you would be his supreme treasure, his Lord, always. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Max also desires to join. Uh, he desires to be accountable to this church and to use his gifts here. And so if you're in agreement with my recommendation to welcome Max Gilliland as a member, would you please say amen? Amen. Last and not least is Holly Gilliland. Hi, my name is Holly. Um, and as you've heard, um, I grew up around and was raised by um, a firm believer, firm believers in Jesus. Um, and I would say I don't really know an exact point that I was exactly saved, but I know that the Lord truly renewed my spirit, <laughs> um, and he really gave me a strong desire to um, glorify him in everything that I do. Around the time that COVID hit, um, and around that time, I started to just truly see just how evil the world was, and how sinful it was, and how empty and vain it was, and I saw the own um, the sin in my own heart um, more than I ever had before. And um, it also was revealed to me that everyone serves something. Amen. 
uh, or someone. And the world will tell you to serve yourself and um, to just do anything to please yourself or um, love yourself. And I actually saw like an ad last night that said worship yourself. And I was like, that, that's it. That's what the world wants you to believe. And that's the lie. And I've believed it before, um, which only brought me very deep anxiety and hatred. Um, but the Bible says to serve Jesus and that that's the only way, which gives me um, peace and true joy. Um, and so Romans 6, 16 through 18 says, you are, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. So, if you serve the world, um, as I have known, um, then you are, you're a slave to sin, and it's never gonna be satisfying. And you'll just keep searching and searching, but you know, you won't find it. But if you serve Jesus, then you become a pursuer of righteousness. And there is true satisfaction and joy in it. Um, because Jesus, and this is possible because Jesus, John 3.16 says that God so loved the world in all of our dirt and sin for some reason that he gave his one and only perfect son that whoever believes in him will never die but have eternal life. So Jesus died for our sins. And if you believe in Jesus today, um, then your sins, everything you've ever done that was wrong or that you will do, will die with him. They already have. And when he was resurrected, when he was resurrected, it also renews our life. So we are free to like worship him and just live a beautiful life. And so I know that when I die, I'm going to be with Jesus in heaven and it's gonna be a party. So <laughs> hope you join me. <laughs> Holly, because of your profession of faith in Christ and your desire to follow him in baptism, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Let me pray. God, we thank you that when you call us and save us, you open our eyes to what's really going on. You open our eyes to the ugliness of sin. You open our eyes to the seriousness of judgment. And you also show us that Christ offers us something so much better than anything in this world. I thank you for the clear vision that you've given to Holly, enabling her to see herself rightly as a sinner in need of salvation, but also enabling her to see the profound gift that is the cross. Father, that you love the world so much, you sent your only son so that whoever believes would not perish, but have eternal life. I thank you, God, that you opened Holly's eyes to see this and opened her heart to receive it and believe it. And I thank you for this new outlook on life that you've given her. This new life in her heart has created new desires and new perspectives. And Lord, this is all evidence of your work, and it's your grace at work in her. So we thank you for that and praise you. Amen. Well, Holly also desires to become a member today. And so, you, having heard her testimony, her profession of faith in Christ, if you're a member of our church, I ask you to affirm Holly to become a member by saying amen. 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 All right. This is one of my favorite people at our church. <laughs> Do you want me to hold this for you? Okay. My name is Olivia Summers, and I'm going to share my testimony. The Bible says that faithful Christians need to be baptized. I'm being baptized today to obey that. I know I'm a sinner, and I want to follow Jesus. 
I believe that Jesus died on the cross so that sinners like me will not have to go to hell when we die, but to heaven where we can have eternal life praising Jesus Christ. I trust him so I will go there when I die. Romans 10:9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I confess that I am a sinner who needs God's forgiveness and want to spend the rest of my life serving him. To Olivia, my thirdborn, because of your profession of faith in Christ and your desire to confess your sin and follow him, it's my privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You can stand up. I'll pray for you. Lord, I thank you for giving Olivia to my family, to me and Sarah. Thank you for her sharp mind and her tender heart. And I pray that as she grows in her faith, that she would never lose sight of those things she just confessed. That she is a sinner, but you are a faithful Savior who promises to redeem all who call upon your name. Lord, I thank you that you opened that invitation to us, that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if we believe in our heart that you raised him from the dead, it's not that we could be saved or that we might be saved. You promise we will be saved. So I pray that Olivia would live a life that is submitted to your lordship, that she would live a life that is anchored by this confession of faith that Jesus rose from the dead to save sinners like her. I thank you for her obedience to you and her desire to follow you. I pray your blessing on her life, that she would grow to become the godly woman you desire her to be, and that she would love you with all her heart and soul and mind and strength. Amen.